Wait, is anybody's video on besides me? No. Okay. Nope. All right, because I'm I'm stroking my beard, and then I realized it would be really awkward if you were all just silently watching. Gross. <laughs> it's what you do. Like it just it's a it's a habit. You can't kick it. Like it's just there. You know. This is the story of my origin, a sort of ordinary, normal, boring kid who wasn't concerned about prom king. Until I turned my tenure as an honorary member of the West Coast Avengers to a dirty South Swamp thing. They sent me on a mission to find the stolen remnant of the central store of wisdom divine. Code of the infinite, I've been to four dimensions in mind. Molded with pixel flick, a mental organism designed only for killing this mic. And the second we step in from backstage, we rap like it's an action-packed splash page. Act like we're trying to cause an avalanche cascade, cause we'd rather turn back than attack halfway. We're Paving pathways like Stan and Jack both. In fact, these rap quotes impact like Black Bolt said it. So roll credits on these Jersey Shore girls. They can break the fourth wall. We break the fourth world. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rebrewers Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Matt Gone. Um, and with me, as always, is my awesome co-host, John Elker. John, you there? Hey, yeah, I'm still here. Uh, John, we owe the viewers and list- or listeners, I guess, we owe them an apology because it's been uh, a couple of months since we were last on. Uh, yeah, I don't even remember the last time that we've talked. We, uh, we did Lethal Weapon for our Christmas episode, and we've missed a couple holidays since then. Oh, jeez. So, uh, what's that, like four months, something like that? Uh, it's still March, so, oh, no, it's April now, damn it. It's been four months. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we apologize for that. We, uh, we both kind of got busy with life, and, um, but we have not forgotten the podcast, and we actually might have some even cooler plans for the podcast in the semi-near but more distant future. Um, Today, uh, we're going to be talking about one of the movies that inspired this podcast, and this was actually a special request. One of our our listeners wanted to do this episode, so we're going to introduce our first guest, and we should also mention that we have two guests on today, too. So, uh, but first up is our first ever returning guest, Grant Potter. Grant, what's going on, man? Hey, dude. Uh, thanks for saying that you have even cooler plans for your podcast in the future. That's great to hear as a guest. Uh, I Well, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it turns out, but we're going to try. Even if we spectacularly fail, we will still try. Yeah, that's um, super insulting. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, uh, Grant is our first ever returning guest. You got that honor pretty quickly into the show. Uh, I do, yeah. Well, I think I'm, like, in addition to being a guest, I, like... I don't know if you can tell, like, who refreshes your blog, but I do, because I do like <laughs> listening to this podcast, and I'm such a narcissist that I'll definitely listen to my own episode. Oh, yeah, we've, we've all listened to it. Um, all right, well, thanks for coming back, and we'll get to you in a second, and then we have our fir- a, new, a first guest, a new timer on the show. He's also been a listener from the start, a good supporter. Uh, please welcome, first time, Graham Wheeler. Graham, hello. Gentlemen, what is happening? You know, it's fast and furious things in that nature. My God, most most certainly is, and I, I feel like I should just get this out of the way. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, there is a pretty unique dynamic to uh, this this quad squadron we have going on right now. Uh, so I guess I, I'm I'm the I'm the lone man. I'm kind of I, I don't know about your support of the you know Matt and John your your support of the films, but I, I've had to live with Mr. Potter. Uh, <laughs> his constant incessant praise uh, of this series drove me up a unique wall uh, film wise that I've never really had to uh, 
uh, deal with. So today should certainly be interesting. Yeah, you're you're getting thrown into the lion's den here. Um, all right. I will well, say, am I, so am I to believe Graham? Uh, did Graham? Does that mean that you don't like this series? Well, you know, <laughs> it's 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 something that I'm just gonna have to like deal with towards the end of this podcast. Like <laughs> people find something out about like about ourselves, maybe myself in particular. But it, it's been a weird weird couple of days since I've watched this movie. All right. Um, well, before we get into the Fast and the Furious, which I don't think we actually officially said is the uh, movie we're doing, and there you go. That's indicator of the other half of this podcast, which is that we are drinking beer. Is that a sound drop? No, that was actually me burping. Uh, yeah, that was not a ADR or anything. That was that was a real big burp. Yeah, I apologize to all of our listeners who I just violated. Um, so Grant's is in California. John had work tonight and Graham, we've actually never um, coordinated this in person. So instead of having one typical beer, we're all drinking because that would be really difficult to do. Uh, I suggested that we all try and get the same style of beer. So I suggested we all get a new Belgian or a Belgian style ale. Um, did everybody get that? I did. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yes, uh, Graham, as the first, as the you know, the newest uh, um, guest on the show, which which uh, which beer do you have today? I I I kept it one hundred. I guess you could say uh, <laughs> district district's finest. Ah, uh, got some DC Brow, the Citizen Belgian style pale. Ah, all right. You like it? Um, well, I think I've had it once before, and it's been a while, but, uh, let's, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crack it and really, uh, give it a whirl here. All right, yeah, open it. I, I, yeah. That's, um, that wasn't a sound drop. No, 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 that's, we, we strive for all that kind of authenticity. <sighs> Not bad. <laughs> it's gold. All right, um, Grant, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking the Lefe. The Lefe? What's, what brand? Lefe, Anno, Anno 1240. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I honestly think it's like the only one that they have. It's like in the gold bottle, and it's like, it's, oh. they pretend like they make it in like a monastery. Yeah, it looks, you, it looks like monks just hang out and brew this for like centuries. I know Lefe, like, all right. Italian, Italian, Belgium monks. Um, I... I will be honest. I've I've already had a beer, so I don't I won't do the whole cracking thing. Um, I just got home, so I haven't eaten, so I'm going to be drinking my calories this evening. Well, great. Uh, Your last episode, I ended up getting drunker than I anticipated because the little something something was a heavy fucking beer. Yeah, I can't believe it's pretty light. that's like a, that's a thing. Yeah, those those were really really heavy. Uh, John, what about you? What are you drinking? Oh, wait, let me talk about how delicious it oh, is. Oh, wait, sorry, yes. We... <laughs> so, John, wait your turn, please. I don't like beer, so I've always found Belgian ones to kind of taste like, wait, is this rotten? So it kind of has like a weird rotteny taste to it. Jesus, Grant. <laughs> Sounds delicious. That's also why I really like Grant as a guest, because I think he also sympathizes with the whole, what the hell is beer thing? <laughs> Again, living with this person is—I don't. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> I agree. 
right. The, the beer, the anti-beer snob snob has uh, has had his his say. John, what are you drinking? Uh, well, yeah, being the uh, the uh, very sharp connoisseur of beer, yes. um, I went to my local beer store and uh, looked for anything that said Belgium on it, and I <laughs> ran across this uh, one beer brand called New Belgian Albi, uh, Abbey, rather, um, which is a Belgian double, um, according to this. Um, Employee-owned, it has a picture of two uh, oh, lions that. guarding a door on it, um, which is pretty nice. Um, excited to try it out. I know that it's a... Um, cheaper beer, and according to websites that I read about it, it's kind of known as the Budweiser of Belgian beers. So I will uh, let you know how that is. Sorry, you, what, one more time. What was the brand name? Sure, it's a uh, New Belgium Abbey. New Belgium Abbey, A B B E Y. That's correct. So okay, all right. Yeah, what do you think? Try it. Uh, sure. We're not going to do our, like, typical, like... Well, Grant's already did that. Graham's is open. I mean, alright, we can, we can wait on yours then. Um, because I also, I also might have opened a beer, but for the sake of this podcast and for that sound effect, <laughs> I'm going to open another one. <laughs> I just couldn't wait to get to my alcohol over here. That's yeah, cool. he's, he's thirsty, you guys. Alright, John, are you ready? Yeah, let's do this. One, two... Oh, and there goes the bottle cap. All right, I'm gonna drink this. I I made that one with my mouth. That was that was some incredible sound work there. Wait, that wasn't right. your actual beer, Graham? No, truth be told, it it wasn't. All right, John, what are you thinking? Uh, well, I understand why they call it the uh, Belgium Budweiser. <laughs> it's certainly better than it. Um, there isn't anything very, um outstanding about this beer though i would say um yeah it, it's a good beer um there's nothing about it though that's standing out for me particularly though well okay so i chose this because belgian styles are another one that are like a little bit lighter they're a little bit easier to get into so this was something i was like we're gonna we're gonna see how you like it um mm. but it sounds like it's reminding you of our first beer whatever that was because i remember that was like a really light one so oh for sure yeah um and i didn't realize but i got the new belgium triple uh, ale, like the, the, yeah, the, I don't know. It's an ale brewed of coriander. I like it. I mean, it's one of the later ones. It's kind of summery, but not like in your face summery. And I'm a, I'm a fan of it. Um, but with four beers, I think we should move on to the uh, to the movie because we can't we can talk about this all night long, and the beer is only one part of the podcast. So, gentlemen, we watched the Fast and the Furious. To be clear, we watched the 2001 original, not Too Fast, Too Furious. Not the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, not Fast and Furious, not Fast Five, Fast and Furious Six, and of course we haven't had a chance to watch Furious Seven yet. I uh, uh, can't wait, dude! I've been oh, I'm so excited. It I, looks so good. Ride or die. I I wanted to say all those titles to just illustrate how all over the place the the naming schemes of these movies are. You know, I I have something to say about that. So first of all, I looked on IMDb today, and it goes. Furious 6 and then Furious 7, but on IMDb, it also says, also known as Fast 6. They have no idea what this movie is called. <laughs> they, um, I know that part of it is because the marketing was Fast and Furious 6, but then it was like Furious 6 in the actual movie, or vice, is vice versa, but the marketing and the movie title were actually different. Yes. Yeah. What what ended up what I ended up reading was um, that they had wanted to make 
um, a two-parter of the sixth movie, and they were going to call the sixth movie Fast, and then they were going to call the seventh movie And Furious. So and? that would have been like the sixth and seventh titles, but that never ended up actually happening, and so now they just went with just Fast and Furious 6 and 7. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the other problem, The other problem I have is... Because there's one movie called The Fast and the Furious and one just called Fast and Furious, I bought Fast and Furious from Google Play. <laughs> no. Turned it on, and I'm like, wait, they don't start in the Dominican <laughs> Republic. I wasted $4 on the wrong movie. I'm so pissed. Wasted is uh, not the word you want to be using. Um, all right, so let's get into it. The purpose of this whole show, realistically, beyond the beer, is to talk about how well movies age. And we figured with Fast, or sorry, with Furious 7, even though it's really Fast 7, let's be honest. But with that one coming up, we decided to go back and look at this one because, in a lot of ways, that was an inspiration for this podcast. Um, so let's just get some general thoughts. Graham, we'll start with you. How, how well do you think this movie holds up? So not not to not to hijack uh, things for just just a moment. Go for uh, it. I, I will get to those thoughts. However, I just had to read this gold uh, that Grant transcribed to me. Last. <laughs> um, so we're we're prepping for this. I'm like getting my mind right to physically sit down and watch one of these films. Um, so he texts me and he's like, Ah, I watched the first for watched the first one last night. Can't wait for tomorrow. So much gold. This is last week. I'm like, wait, does it come out tomorrow? No. Graham, the podcast. We do it tomorrow. I watched the first movie. Graham, wow, how did I space on this? Okay, uh, where can I watch? Notes needed. Graham, <laughs> immediately, less than two seconds, uh, Amazon for three bucks. <laughs> Reading back the email now, it looks like April. Graham, damn it, you are right. Who the fuck schedules that far in advance? Gah. <laughs> Well, at least I took good notes. Uh, and then he goes on to say, please read my angry text verbatim when we do this. So just wanted to get all that. Out. He threw some expletives in there that I personally don't feel comfortable sharing with the rest of the world. Man, but... The whole reason I said that was I wanted you to read the expletives. <laughs> uh, if anyone was wondering, the expletive was the C word, and I used about 100 characters to spell it out. Okay, hence my... <laughs> See you next Tuesday, but... Yeah, I can see how that would turn off some listeners. So, <sighs> Graham, he just wanted to get you to say it, so that way he could be, like, alleviated of the uh, the blame. Graham is a bastard, man. He's, you know, I'm trying to think of, like, a parallel in the movie right now, but Graham is the Rick Yoon of this, and... Oh, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, thoughts on, so, on this whole thing. Yeah, overall, how do you feel before we get into this? Yeah, no, I, I honestly want to start from kind of a film perspective because when I take a step back and I look past all the ludicrous titty grabbing and everything going <laughs> on in this film, uh, I have to say it's, it, it holds up. I mean, immediately you are thrown into this like fast-paced world that is very yellow. Everything is yellow. Uh, it's, LA is that yellow, dude. Didn't you realize that? It's that smog, so there was just, like, relatively no lens. They were just like, yeah, let it roll. Yeah, no, I, I think it had solid, like, continuity throughout. I, you know, I want to get into a couple of things a little later, but, you know, after finishing the movie and everything, I just was able to just 
take a step back and say, like, I think I think that kind of holds up as a solid action film. No one, you know, outside of the Asian mob that periodically trolls by and like fires off little <laughs> dangles of bullets every now and then. Like, I have a lot to say nope. about Asian mob. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's that's like the sub segment here. We got Asian mobs, but it's it's a lot of people just threatening each other. But you don't. The movie doesn't rely on like massive explosions and just people beating like just just mowing people down. It's it's a lot of like just man to man, mano a mano combats. And uh, I think I think in in that way it kind of sets itself apart because it just doesn't rely on these like massive things uh, that you see elsewhere nowadays. Very non Bay ish. All right. All right. Um... Grant, you're up next. How do, you, how do you feel? Just overall, how does it hold up? I feel like Graham and I freaky Friday because I actually think this movie's not good, especially when I know like the glory that it'll reach <laughs> eventually. I would never imagine that such a beautiful tree came from such a small seed. Um, <laughs> I think what we'll get to is we see different ends of the furious, fast, whatever you want to call it, spectrum, and uh, for different reasons. But please... Yeah, so I think I think the driving is like the least fun part of this movie, and that's all it is. I think there's relatively little plot. There's no antagonist, really. Like, the Asian mafia is kind of the antagonist, but they just kind of shoot bullets, and then it just ends without dealing with them. Um, it's honestly just like kind of a protracted bromance that just goes on for about an hour, and then, uh, <laughs> then it just ends. Uh, so I actually think it's not that good of a movie and when it came out I hated it and when I when that finally showed me the light that Fast Five was into this incredible incredible picture it blew my mind I don't believe what I'm hearing this is just like the yeah. second of Christ this like is, what is happening this is not at all the rea the conversation I expected so I'm really no. excited to get into it um, no. but let's return to our resident expert on uh, Asian gangs uh, John <laughs> uh, yes, as a resident expert of Asian gangs. Um, no, I, I, I kind of want to comment on what both of them said, and, and this is kind of like the lame path to take, but I sort of agree with both of them in some aspects, in that uh, from a filming perspective, one thing that really uh, impressed me about this is that um, something that you don't really see nowadays in a lot of films are um, real stunt work which is something that um, ages very well in this, if you ask me. Um, there's a lot of, of action scenes that feel very, well, as genuine as they could be in like a film sense, but in the sense that people are actually partaking in them and they were, in my opinion, suspenseful and good. And so I was really appreciating the film from that angle. But going to what Grant said, um, also pertaining to Asian uh, mafias, um, as the antagonist, is that they're not really a strong antagonist. And I would also agree in that there's not really a plot throughout this. It's kind of just like a glorified bromance thing that happens and then it sort of just ends after a race. Um, which maybe the movie doesn't need a plot, um, but in that sense it was a little disappointing in that it didn't really have anything driving it other than the actual cars itself so that was a, oh that was so good there was nothing driving it <laughs> yeah yeah you see what i did there wait oh it's a pun i get it <laughs> all right um so i immediately 
we we have John can see me in Skype, but Graham and Grant can't see me. But I was giving John a thumbs up for one part, um, which I really really agree with. Is that the stunt work holds up pretty well? Yeah. Um, and. Uh, again, like Grant said, you have to consider how this movie goes in the future, and I'll talk about that a little bit, but I'm kind of in the middle. There's stuff that does hold up, and then there's a lot that is just so stiff and so already outdated, and I can't decide if this is a movie that does or doesn't hold up. Uh, that's my general overview. I was kind of just wondering when Tyrese was going to show up, but that's not a thing. Apparently. <laughs> you non-canon person he comes if you're referring to tyrese as roman pierce he shows up in too fast too furious along with paul walker and ludicrous yeah get it right oh my god also speaking of ludicrous i like how this movie tried to do what they did with ludicrous in ja rule and just completely failed at oh well wait did you think that Jaw was a success, or what's... I, I mean, I actually think, like, his little minor character arc and his presence actually work, but I feel they did the same thing in Too Fast, Too Furious with Ludacris, which is they tried to get this rapper to, like, become a character in this, and he worked in Too Fast, and here, like, he worked, but they didn't do anything with him. But I think... He I'm... has the single best line in the movie. Do you guys know what it is? Uh... It, the second you say it, I'm just gonna... Sure. So it's in the middle of a driving scene, and uh, a busty lady has just said that if he wins the race, uh, <laughs> yeah. he'll get to have her and another girl. So a little threesome for Ja. And in the middle of the race, he begin he realizes that the other people are much better drivers than him, and he's about to lose. So oh, in yes. his agony, he just says, "Menage toi," no, and no, he just yells, "Menage." And I like that, Monica. I thought that was her name. Really no, he does. He, he does both. He yells Monica at one point when he thinks he's winning, but when he's losing, he just yells Menage, and because um, he knows he's missing out on a sweet Menage a trois. I don't know how I missed that. Oh my god! Jeez. <laughs> um, All right. Uh, so actually, job roll is a good springboard for me. I'm gonna kick off this discussion. Um, the first thing that really, like, annoys me the hell about this movie is that there is, like, a shitty pop culture song that no one remembers every, like, minute and 30 seconds for the first half of this movie. Oh, yeah. It's it's kind of nonstop. It's a, it's a merry-go-round of all the songs you, like, hated at that day and age. It's like it's like every track that didn't make uh, now that's what I call a music CD from like two th- or from 1999 to 2002 was just like given 30 seconds in this movie. Oh, absolutely! Like every single one of these songs are on a kids' bop at some point. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Limb Biscuits Rollin' is on kids' bop, John. I just wanted to uh, just piggyback on Grant. Uh, I, I I hope you were leaning towards you enjoy that song or that that shouldn't be on kids' bop, but. Either or, I, I, I agree and, and love that song. Well, I love that song, too. I actually unapologetically love um, some Limp Biscuit and still love some Sum 41, but... Please, Fat Lip, come on. Yeah, come on. But that stuff, like, <laughs> it's, it's such... This movie just, like, feels like middle school in so many ways. Is Nas a thing, by the way? Like, is Nas an actual thing? All right, I'm, I'm looking it up now. That's a great question. I have no idea. Uh, First off, is this is this movie so dated 
that <laughs> this was a day and age when Honda Civics were like the shit. Because Paul Walker these garages and he's like, yo, they got like three Civics in there. And I'm like, this is jank mobile. Like, this is happening. This, what's, oh, I, man, I, had a, I had a Honda Civic in, uh, in high school and I never got laid and was never in a street race. So <laughs> I, I think this movie is getting a lot of money from Honda uh, just Where? for product placement. Where does this take place? Where does this movie actually take place? Los Angeles. Okay, so maybe in Seattle, it's not like a puss wagon, but if you drive a little down south, you'd be rolling in it. Uh, My stupid parents. My stupid parents chose Seattle. So, you guys, I I watched this movie earlier today, and then later I put on... um, I I had the Blu-ray, but I I couldn't watch the Blu-ray earlier. Um, Oh, come on! I put the Blu-ray on when I got home while making dinner. I started, like, cycling through a lot of the, like, special features and stuff. And um, the director in the commentary, he, he calls, like, all the Asian cars, uh, he calls them, I think it was called Rice Rockets? Ricers. No, no, Rice Rocket. A Rice Rocket is an Asian motorcycle. Yeah. Correct. Well, okay, I mean, it, it still just felt, like... Nice. A weirdly racist like term, even though the movie is very not racist, but it was it was kind of funny. I've also got a lot to say about the special features, but we'll get to that later. On a, on a more serious note, and I, this movie's continued this for all seven movies. This is, and this kind of piggybacks on what Matt was saying. This is the most diverse movie franchise that has ever existed. Like, name me a more diverse cast than what you see through Fast 1 through 7. Like, every race is represented. They're not really, like, put into token roles. Like, they actually do a really good job of, like, representing everyone in these movies. And yeah, and it's not even, like, through any sort of stereotypes either. They're all just badass blowing shit up and just, like, being dank at racing cars. Yeah, and also, yeah. all races seem to be represented within Vin Diesel, because I don't know what he <laughs> oh, did. Yeah. Yeah. So, John, it, do you know what Vin Diesel is? Doesn't exist in a crayon like Crayola box. Like I, I genuinely don't know where he's from. Vin Diesel is—he's uh, just the combination of just two muscles that got together. Shenzo, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, but only two muscles. So Grant, um, director Rob Coe. We should probably give a little background. This movie came out in two thousand one. It was directed by Rob Cohen, who ended up making Triple X, another Vin Diesel movie, um, which I personally love, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but he actually, like, he got, they originally, like, sent him the idea for an action movie based on street racing, and initially he didn't really think much of it, because there was some kind of article in a magazine sent to him, and he didn't think there's any way they can make a movie out of it. And then somehow he actually got to go and witness like an actual street race in L.A. And one of the things that struck out to him was how black, white, Latino, Asian, like everybody was there and that everybody there is on this equal ground. It's not about race at all. It's all about the cars and the cars is really like the like what mm. establishes the hierarchy. Um, so and, and that is you're right, though, like there is no other. You might be able to find some other movies or TV shows that have a diverse cast, but this is like one of the few diverse casts in movies and TV that doesn't feel forced. You know, it feels like genuine. 
And the crazy thing is, this these movies, and like I love them to death, I really do. They're so fucking dumb. They are, but so like, dumb. despite how dumb they are, like they truly like they are truly colorblind in like a way that I've just never ever seen, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, John, how do you feel about that? You're literally the only person of any color on this right now. Uh, he, I guess I am a, a portion of a different thing other than white. Um, there we go. But, but yeah, no, I, I would completely agree with that. I mean, for a movie that whose plot is fueled off of literally testosterone on paper, um, it's cool to see that they have a very diverse cast. Um, and to this day, can somebody tell me what Dwayne Johnson's race is, really? Because <laughs> I have no idea what it is. You lump him in? I feel like we should know this. Like It's Samoan. What? It's Samoan. Hey, thank you. No, no, no. He, like, represents this to a degree, but... <laughs> What? Uh, no, I thought it was Samoan, right? No, no you're right. The Rock is Samoan. Vin Diesel is just the oh, biggest question mark. No, I don't want to know Vin Diesel. Any, I, I don't. That would ruin it. I, I, I think he's some kind of version of Italian that doesn't exist in real life. Right. Vin, right, Diesel, Vin Diesel is the same race as Fat Joe. Just no one knows. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Say either that. Whatever, like, uh, portion of Italians got killed off in, like, Assassin's Creed. Oh. Whatever. <laughs> what a reference. <laughs> Moving on from the, from the music and conversations about race, um, what was I going to say? About race. I'm sorry. I just, this is a bullet point I can't look. I initially wrote down first Mexican, and then I realized he had a name, and it's Hector. Uh... Hector is the guy from Bruce Almighty who has a monkey that comes out of his butt. Just to make sure everyone was aware of that. Anyway, you make it to him. That's the uh, that's that's the stuff we are here to talk about. Not only not just the race, but also monkeys and assholes. Just serious uh, person. Yep, there we go. So the next thing I wanted to bring up, this is this is kind of easy to make fun of, but it definitely dates the movie. Um, in a semi-silly way, but the uh, truck, the first truck you see him getting loaded that's about to get robbed is full of, like, CRT TVs and VCRs and maybe DVD players. Like, why is that so... It, it, why, why, why is that just a, such a hot commodity? Was that not in, like, relatively every household at that point, or were they just, like... 5k a piece in like 2001 i feel like they might have been like a couple hundred bucks a pop still but even then i feel like just uh vcrs vcrs i i paused and i looked no i thought i thought the main uh plot instrument was dvd players they said dvds but i saw vcrs oh shit what if it was those dvd vcr combos you guys we've cracked something here Wait, so I'm sorry. So when Paul, well, I don't, okay, when character names fleet me like a bastard. So when Are you talking about Brian O'Connor? Thank you, Grant. <laughs> you three aficionados got to help me. When, when Paul Walker pulled. Uh oh. <clears throat> Did we lose him? Graham, are you there? Okay, I know you're doing something else. You don't get all this cash from X, Y, and Z. I, I want in. And Vin's like, okay. Passes him that business card. It's because he steals VCR players. Is it, that, That's it? 
So, real quick, just to let you know, you fell out a little bit, but um, your reiteration of the scene you're referencing was so dead on. I know what you're talking about. Apologies, but go on. No, that's cool. Uh, but, yeah, it was... Well, that's what you're talking about. I feel like the story is simultaneously, like, it's a really classic, traditional, straightforward story, but it's, like, not delivered in the most straightforward of ways, if that makes any sense. Like, no, if that... I think if that really is the end of that whole plot, then you guys are right. that The plot here is minimal at best. It's just happenings of this, you know, ragtag team that is kind of the race car things. So. Yeah. Um, John, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, 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 I can't... I mean, he kind of postulated on, well, there's, there's little plot here and in the Fast and Furious series just in general. Um, but that's never been the reason why these movies have been great. Um, and it's not the reason why I think this movie in particular is great. Um, Real quick, sorry to interrupt, but um, John, how do you feel like of all the movies? Let's assume we don't, we haven't seen seven yet, so let's ignore that one. But of all of them, where do you think this ranks? Interesting. Um, so <laughs> I have this weird thing, and I think you actually agree with me on this, Macum, that uh, I really like Tokyo Drift. Probably. Oh! Um, Wait, yeah. What, dude? No. Yeah, yeah, I am defending Tokyo Drift. Um, that's happening right now. For um, the record, so, for the record, I don't agree with him on Tokyo Drift. Is <laughs> okay, well, oh, uh, well no. maybe I'm confusing you for someone else. But, um, definitely Fast Five is number one. Obviously. Um, yeah, oh yeah. Easy. From, like, there's no question about it. That, that capitulated everything that makes the series great. Um, but I actually really also appreciate Tokyo Drift, not only in its like timeline placement, but what it was trying to accomplish. And I think it also does the best job of doing the things that make Fast and Furious great, uh, the best. Um, Jesus Christ. Which, uh, yeah, maybe I won't go beyond that, <laughs> considering the reaction I'm getting from my two supported support. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, I, I put this movie, I guess, um... Probably at around like the four or five position, I'd say. Um, it, it's definitely not one of the greatest films, but it was also um, the start of a franchise that was trying to figure out what it's supposed to actually be. Um, and, and it's something gotta, that could come into effect until later on in the series. So, and you definitely uh, need to you you have to give them if it's trying to be a series, which I don't think it was originally, but the fact that it's a series, it, it needs a little bit of time to find its footing. Uh, and I honestly think that there is a better movie in the fourth one than people kind of realize. That's the, like the forgotten one uh, in hmm. a lot of ways. Because Tokyo Drift was so bad and Fast Five was so good that everybody just overlooks uh, Fast End or Fast Four. <clears throat> Matt, will you give me a will you give me a top to bottom ranking? Um, okay, without without having seen Furious Seven, uh, Fast Five. Fast six. Fast. Shit. Uh, this is it's tied between fast four and fast one. Uh, I don't. I it's been a, it's been a year since I saw fast four, but I kind of want to give it to fast four, fast one, fast two, and then barely on the list is Tokyo Drift. <laughs> you like you? Oh, I'm exactly the same as you, except. For me, drift is above two. Drift two is, is two. Two, two is, is the awful. true abomination. 
Yeah. I need to I need to go back and watch two and three in rapid succession because I feel like I, I could I just maybe some some light I haven't been witness to yet. Okay. Um well those are so anyway, that's some stuff I mentioned that I don't think holds up so well. Does anybody else have something they wanna get in or they wanna bring up? Well, my only last thing to kind of bring it into that sort of uh, section of this conversation is that, you know, with you guys having this just unrivaled knowledge of this series for really no good reason, (laughs) when I was re-watching this, I didn't remember, like, there was a weird, this is going to sound creepy, but, like, there was a weird, like, purity to it. I don't remember, I don't remember being so, like, raw and, like, not trying too hard sort of thing, whereas now I'm looking at these trailers and they're like so souped up and it's like a literal car busting out of a building window midair going into another one. I'm like, well, that didn't even come close to happening in this first film. And so I, I, I want your opinion. Like is, are any of the movies relatively similar to Fast and the Furious? Graham, I'm going to, I'm going to, cut off John and Grant because that brings me to a really good point I wanted to make. You're 100% right. This is a movie that like it, it tried hard in completely different ways. It was it's nothing like what Fast 5 became. It is so understated and so raw like you said and so genuine. Um and this is what John and I were saying too. I think part of that um which is a weird through line throughout the entire series is that the stunt work is real. And the stunt work is actually pretty good. I mean, well, no, not pretty good. It's really, really good. Um, but one thing I did want to mention about this movie specifically, the first car, the first true street race um, where uh, Connor loses to Diesel, sorry, sure. Paul Walker loses to Diesel, that was, like, first off, that was, in, in reality, that was supposed to be, like, 10 seconds. That was supposed to be, like, a 10-second race. Um, but it was stretched out over two minutes. It was artistically... You know, the time was, you know, vamped up a little bit. Um, but <clears throat> that was, like, all CGI. The uh, That scene was completely, like, all the cars were fake. Um, but then you look at the opening car chase and the car chases at the end of the movie. That's all 100% real. And when I was watching the commentary, like I said, it really was because the director said it's a really hard to show speed in movies and he didn't want to keep going to shots of like odometers and stuff. So that's why, you know, the guy will put his hand on the stick shift and then you'll go through the floor of the car and through the engine and out into another car. It's, it's, it was one of those times where the use of CGI was so like for artistic merit and for a purpose that I actually really liked it. And I thought, like, it was really cool and it was well done. And then it earns it because all the other car chases in this movie and for the most part in the series, those are all real, too. Now, artistic liberties are taken, and I haven't seen the most recent one, so I know that there's definitely, like you said, the car going through a building. I know that that's fake and out the wazoo, but for the most part, they are doing real stuff here, and that's so admirable, with the exception of Fast 4. And that was another reason I think that movie was just so forgotten, is because there's a lot of CGI in that one, and it just it looks and feels so different than Fast Five when they finally got a budget. Um, but yeah, that's a really great point. I'm glad you brought it up. Sorry to go off on a tangent in, in there. Terms of, in terms of stunt work, I love, in this movie, the shot 
where Vin Diesel's car like flips out like at the very end. Yeah. Where it does its little barrel roll after it hits something. That is beautiful. They did a great job on that one. And 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 Paul Walker's car goes under while he flips over. That's, yes, oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 That was yeah. so cool. Um, Rewatch that. I'm kind of like, oh, I think this is like mildly iconic. Like the two cars going over the train track. I'm like, I feel like outside of me watching this movie right now, I've seen that scene like a bajillion times. So that's pretty cool. It's like really well done. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a great one. The other stunt from the semi, the second to last chase that I really loved and actually kind of made me go, you know, holy shit, that happened. But when. Uh, Vince is hanging on the front of the 18-wheeler and then he has to like jump while his arm's caught in that cable to the side and you see that stuntman slam into the side of the truck like it's not fake it is a guy just like bashing into the side of that thing and that was you know from what I can tell 100% real too and like just great stunt work yeah definitely that made me uncomfortable arm like hurt yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Actually, so funny thing about that arm. This movie originally got an R rating, um, and the way they, the R rating was specifically due to the final like fight scenes. There was just too much blood and gore, and so what they did was they took they uh, trimmed all the footage of Vince's arm like cut up by that cable. <clears throat> uh, yeah. So anyway, moving on. Uh, John, what what else are you thinking? <laughs> um, well, let me go down my notes for this yeah. movie. Um, By so, the way, while, while you look through your notes, I just want to quickly say um, we should all be drinking Corona. <laughs> we can, hey, guys, we can have any beer we want as long as it's a Corona. Yeah, we <laughs> missed opportunity there. Anyway, John, what are you thinking? Oh, for sure. Oh, um, so uh, what do you guys actually think about... Uh, does anybody here know anything about cars? Does anyone here, like, follow cars in general? Like, are the cars here, like, impressive or anything like that? Does anyone know? I mean, like, Honda Civic's not really, but, yeah, I drive a car. About <laughs> I get my fuel changed occasionally. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, uh, so I guess the only uh, question that comes from that is that, uh, like, the green race car and all the other, like, uh, I suppose iconic cars that come out of this film – were they cars that uh, you would have wanted as a kid, or are they something that um, some, that appealed to you in general? Because um, for me personally, Brian O'Connor's car, the green car um, at the beginning of the film, was like one of my uh, ideal cars um, growing up as a kid with this movie. Like it, it was the car that I thought um, was supposed to be like the most uh, rich and successful car that you eventually end up with in life. And so, like, I really, like, idolized that, and I really, like, liked that car in general. And I wanted to see if, like, anyone else had any of those feelings towards any of these cars in this movie in particular. I'll let our guests go first. Grant? Uh, I've never been a huge car guy, so, like, anytime they, like, pop the hood and there's, like, people, like, looking at the engine like it's the greatest thing that they've ever seen, <laughs> always just, like, seemed very alienating to me. So, no, I mean... If, if I had to have any car from this movie, I feel like Vin Diesel's, like, muscle car at the end just kind of looks badass, and, like, that's what I probably would have gone with. The green car just looked a little too, like, ooh, vroom, vroom. I don't know. Uh, the green car didn't do anything for me. I, I kind of like the muscle car. I, I think um, his second car, like, the orange one, kind of, like, again, triggered something. I was like, oh, I, I remember that. You know, I remember that. 
you know, bright, almost coral, you know, car. But outside of the car a little bit, the second he gets that car, Paul Walker's character from every scene from then on wears like Neo sunglasses. Like (laughs) he goes from like pretty blue eyes, the whole movie to like Neo sunglasses. And I'm just like, can we talk about how beautiful his blonde hair and blue (laughs) eyes are? Let's get into this. Graham, Graham Graham representing the female demographic here. Apparently I'm representing the demographic here. (laughs) The diesel demographic. Those blue eyes and that blonde hair. It was it was just it was a work of art. Well, you know, when I said that this movie reminds me of middle school, that was part of what I was talking about was how I felt like every girl in my middle school uh, had a crush on on Paul Walker and Vin Diesel. Um, and setting aside how gorgeous Paul Walker is, I'm not going to like refute you or deny that in the slightest. I can't in good conscience. Uh, Vin Diesel didn't look great in this movie. I don't. I don't like that. Like he's got like fi- like five o'clock shadow on his head, and it doesn't work. I'm not sure girls have ever been attracted to Vin Diesel. No, I remember those girls vividly. It was really yeah. Ah. Um. Anyway, but John, so to answer your question, I'm not a car person at all, but I do drive a Honda Civic, and apparently for an extra 10k, I could soup it out and make two grand a street street race. Um, but, well, that brings me to one of my notes, though, was, because this is something I don't think holds up well in the movie, is, for the most part, the cars themselves, I feel like, again, those cars just feel really middle school, and, like, they're so gaudy and cartoony. The only, the only car that I do like that, in this movie, the, the really the only car I liked, uh, is Vin Diesel's car, because that's just a classic... That's a classic American muscle style. It hasn't gone out of style at all. You know that thing's still going. These other cars feel like... I feel like all the drivers got to be wearing Skechers or something, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and that's partially why I'm asking. Because, like, when I was growing up, I thought that car was the shit. Like, the lime green car that everybody clearly wanted growing up. But walking... But looking at it again, uh, once we... uh, did it for this podcast um i was just like wow these are basically just hot wheels yeah. um in like in like bigger form <laughs> they, they literally look like hot wheels i think you're right spot on <laughs> um yeah it's weird because the the races i feel like hold up and even the cgi race it's so the cgi is done for such like an artistic effect that i don't think it's detracted or, or bad and then the old stunts, those hold up well, too. It's just funny that the cars themselves just look like like a tennis shoe ad from 2000, you know? Yeah. You know what the, the CGI in the race reminded me of? What? It looked, it, looked just like, it looked just like the opening credit sequences of all of the X-Men movies. Ah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where it, like, goes through, like, it, like, zooms in on, like, the genome, and then it, like, blows up into something else. Yeah, and it, yeah. Like, keep blinding and doing that. I feel like either it inspired that or, like, took that. I forget when X-Men came out. 2000. But, um, okay, that, so maybe it, it, it cribbed that a little. That racing actually, I feel, like, starts a trend that continues through the rest of the movie, which is, like, the director's like, okay, this is a racing movie. We're probably going to have more than one racer in each of these races. We need to wrap the shit out of these focuses to make sure we see everyone's face perfectly every time there's 
And so from that first race with Ja, it's just like racing <laughs> every single time. Like boom, boom, but just hitting everybody. And it's like, okay, you, you probably could have shown it in more than one way, but it's it just I was just I, I got like a tally going, but it's just something I picked up on. That reminds me, there's one shot I know they've repeated at least once more in the movie, but it's all the cars at the starting line. And you're looking through the driver's window, so you can see all the drivers in a line on screen, and the camera just slowly goes like focuses through them, and it's a it's it's a, it's a cool shot. I really dig it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Speaking, uh, this is completely off topic. I forgot, but the uh, so there's a 1955 Italian movie of the same name, and I've heard I've heard two different things about it. I heard that originally that was like an inspiration for the Fast and Furious, and that this is a remake of that 1955 Italian movie. But then I heard that it's not a remake of it, but they just bought the rights to the name for Fast and Furious. Matt, um, I think you'd be wrong because this is a shot-for-shot remake of Point Break. <laughs> uh, I'm about to say something that'll piss you off. What's that? I've I've never seen Point Break. That makes two of us. Okay. Whew, thank God. Hey, guys. <laughs> that makes three of us. <laughs> <laughs> Most interesting. That makes four of us. Oh, God damn it. Oh. All I know about pa- uh, Point Break is from the movie Hot Fuzz. Yeah, that's all I know about it, too. Um, and yeah, that it's scene, apparently the really... scene where uh, Keanu Reeves shoots his gun up in the air. That's all I know. I just know that it's really homoerotic, and I feel like that's why I just didn't have any interest. Hey, Matt, this movie's pretty homoerotic. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... that's the rock scene, like, the, the whole explanation, because you want to talk about things that, like, date the hell out of this movie? It's that, like, 50% plus of the characters are wearing, like, Von Dutch, like, a lot. Like, there's a lot of Von Dutch and just massive foamy cappuccinos everywhere. Yeah, I, um... God, that's, you're speaking of, you know... Vince, who, like, he looks pretty cool by Fast Five. He gained, like, a little bit of weight. He looks, like, a little bit more mus- muscular. Um, in this movie, he's wearing, like, a like a really tight orange tank top throughout the majority of it, and it's just so awkward looking. I don't know. No, I was going to say, I I was agreeing that the shoulder straps on this odd, odd, guinea, total South Jersey thing he's got going on. Maybe that's where he's from. The, like, unknown wilderness of South Jersey. I don't know. But it's just like, I think it was a women's. I think it was a women's version of a guinea tea because it, it, it disturbed me to no end. I don't think you're wrong, to be, to be perfectly honest. Um, can I bring up two? Vin Diesel or Vince? Vincent. Yeah, Vince. Okay. Matt, Matt Schultz is his character. Oh, okay. No, no, that actor. Uh, <laughs> uh, amateur, okay. You need to know everybody in every scene of all of these movies. No, I know. I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna whip myself later. I'm very ashamed. <laughs> I want, to, uh, I want it to be like the Dan Brown novel, or, or yeah, I'm gonna be like uh, Paul Bettany in uh, the Da Vinci Code. Um, Vince has my favorite line in the movie. If I could do a dramatic reading, if Go you'll allow it. me, please, yes, please. <clears throat> Go to Fat Burger if you like these fries, faggot. I like the tuna here. No one likes the tuna here. <laughs> And I literally wrote something down about that. It's like so. I so my first like five like plus minutes of this movie, I have nothing but Paul Walker notes. <laughs> it just says my first.
first one just says, Paul Walker looks good, underlined. <laughs> I have a bullet point. He's, like, yelling shit and just, like, doing donuts in a parking lot for, like, no reason. And cut to him just, like, walking into this, like, sketch bar with, like, this attractive lady just, like, working. It's like, oh, what's up? Good. Uh, uh. And then he's like, oh, I know. I'll have the tuna. Oh. No dust. Oh, like, that's the most baller thing you could order in front yeah. of this, like, hot chick. Like, what? I don't, like... This movie spends a good five minutes discussing the state of this diner's tuna. <laughs> uh, but also, uh, Graham, to to add to you, I also have a note here. Uh, I wrote these on the computer, so this is not only underlined, it's also bold. But young Paul Walker, comma, more hair, period. Ah, those blonde locks, let me tell you. It be flowing. It be flowing. <laughs> um, so I want to bring up two scenes that I did think really held up, uh, held up really well. Um, the first scene was after that CGI car race when, um, where uh, Vin Diesel is like, you almost had me, and he starts going on that like totally gearhead dialogue-heavy speech. Um, about like all the things Paul Walker is doing wrong. And even though for some reason the dialogue is really, excuse me, some of the dialogue is like kind of corny. I thought for some reason that that scene, like between the two of them worked really, really well. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about that. I just thought it was pretty great for some reason. Vin Diesel plays this movie pretty like pitch perfectly. He is both someone that you want to be friends with. And he also like, is very scary in this movie. So I feel like that speech was pretty awesome. Uh, John, what do you think? He, he's the best actor in this film. And uh, if anything, his his performance throughout the series has been great. Um, and, and this is the start of it. Yeah. He's, yeah. Um, and then the, the other scene that I thought of that held up uh, really well, actually. I thought it was actually just in general a really strong scene. Um, but after the penultimate car chase where... Uh, um, Paul Walker, he you know, he finally reveals to Vin Diesel that he's a cop and he's calling in like the medevac and Vin Diesel is like f- just a- having a conniption and he's like about to beat the shit out of Paul Walker and then finally like common sense takes over and he, he does and he just focuses on what's the you know going wrong at hand. But that scene I also thought was like really good. So, I don't know. Does anybody else have any scenes like that that stick out to him? Well, I had, I mean, I... I... Completely agree with all you guys. It, it was large part of my note taking was just like Vin Diesel acted the shit out of this movie. Like I was, I was really taken aback. I was not expecting that. And he, like uh, oddly enough, there's a quote where I think his sister says like he's like gravity. Like everything just like the movie is really you know it, it's all about him. It's all about his connections and like everyone's connected to him in some weird way. Even you know the Asian mobs on their like little mopeds and whatnot. But like. Rice Ulti- rocket. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Ultimately, he's just like he's the he, he's the driving force throughout this whole film. Yeah, I mean, he's he's great, man. <laughs> no, I, I mean I, nothing. I, I have agreement that Vin Diesel is the fucking shit in this movie. <laughs> I don't know. I, here's 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 a weird thing with the women in this movie. Do you guys kind of feel like Jordana Brewster could either date Paul Walker or Vin Diesel? What? Yeah. 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 Uh, There's like weird sort of incestuous vibe going on that like I don't think leaves the series ever. It's 
you know, I feel like what you just said, it never left the series. I feel like I noticed it more later in the series. Than maybe maybe I'm movie. coloring my view. Oh, that reminds me. Um, Graham, you said that L.A. looks yellow in this movie. Um, part of that is actually was a deliberate choice because I noticed the director, he deliberately tried to color balance the scenes, not like digitally. He tried to pick like bland, neutral colors and then all the cars in that movie would be these like bright, ostentatious, neon extremes that would stick out. So that's part of the reason this movie just looks the way it does. It was so that it would highlight the cars. I don't mind it at all. Uh, to be honest, it was it was very um, <clears throat> it was jarring up front. It was like it's like when you not to bring up the Matrix twice in one podcast, but like damn, like when you watch this first scene, you're like, God damn, that's yellow. <laughs> but else kind of like falls into place and like. Yeah, there's like a totally random Dutch angle for no reason, like halfway through this movie. Yeah. But other than that, there's like a there's a solid continuity to all of it. it again, it doesn't try too hard. Where I, again, I, where I'm seeing these other trailers and I'm like, okay, this is like souped up. Like the Rock is like a glazed donut. He's sweating so much, sort of like. <laughs> and I'm like that's just not what this first movie is. But oh, overall, I didn't I didn't mind. It was just a little jarring at first. Yeah, but you're 100 percent right though. They just they weren't trying that hard way back then. No way. One no uh, way. one cool effect that I noticed they did this like three times, and this may be like you guys have studied film more, so this may be like me just being wowed by something easy. They did a cool thing where they would keep the camera still and then go from like night to day, like a few times, like they did it like yeah. uh, they like focus on the warehouses before the races. They also did it at the cop um, headquarters where they just transitioned from night to day. And I actually thought that looked like fairly cool. Yeah, again, from the uh, the commentary, he really, um, he said, quote, that he wanted to do like a, he, he wanted to make it feel operatic in scale. And that's why he had these like very like grand transition shots and things like that. Um, except for the fact that they did this in this movie and they did it in The Dark Knight Rises and it pisses me off. But um in like one kind of chase sequence it, the final chase scene uh paul paul walker realizes that vin diesel is like 40 miles away and then it cuts to the next shot of vin diesel and they're about to take down that truck and yep. in the paul walker shot two seconds before it was dark in the vin diesel shot two seconds later it's like the middle of the day and there's just no attempt to like acknowledge that there has been several hours in between and they did the same thing in the dark night um, or sorry, the Dark Knight Rises during that when Bane has just robbed Wall Street, Batman like chases him at daytime, goes under a tunnel and comes out from that oh, tunnel. Oh yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. nighttime. They did the same thing in this movie, and it just yeah, ugh, it's frustrating. You're you're good, Magon. You're um, good. I'm sorry. I, um, <laughs> I genuinely can't say I noticed that, but but darn it, does it does it anger me? <laughs> so all right, I want to bring up a couple of things. First off. David Ayer wrote the script for this movie, or he was a screenwriter on this movie. Uh, David Ayer has made some interesting movies and some really shitty movies, but he's got a really big project coming up. Uh, David Ayer also did um, Fury. He directed Fury, that Brad Pitt tank movie, which was like the most cliched World War II movie ever. Like It was kind of interesting to watch, but it was still just like, you could have a checklist of all the cliches he rang off on that one. Oof. Uh, and then he directed Sabotage, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Did anybody see that? 
<laughs> no, I haven't seen it. Because I did point six. So, no. Okay. Uh, Sabotage is a god awful film. Um, but then, I don't know, he, he has like his like moments, but in general, they're not very good. But David Ayer is also directing Suicide Squad, the upcoming DC Villains movie. Do you guys know about that? I have heard of this, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one that's going to be like the Joker, Deadshot, Harley Quinn. Um, Carol Dallavinia. Yeah, like all like the DC villains, and they're all like they all have a um, like a, a chip like surgically implanted in their head. So they're they're. Can they're, I explain you know, as the Penguin? Uh, Penguin's not in this one. No. Of a bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but also, did David Ayer write The Dark Knight, or am I thinking of another David? You're thinking of David S. Goyer, I think. Oh, that would have been cool if he like wrote in continuity errors with like night and day. Yeah, that would actually that would be kind of cool, but no, thank God that didn't happen. Um, all right, well, let's. Uh, I guess I don't know. Does anybody else have a thing they want to bring up before we wrap it up? I have one. I have one more thing. I'll Grant. I'll let you go last since you are the aficionado. But <laughs> this, is genuine, this is a genuine question. I was like backpedaling in my mind with okay because I have to say, you know, Grant. If I haven't really made this clear enough, like. Grant's love for this film series is more so than a mother and her newborn child. Like, it's, it's something special. And that if you haven't had a conversation with this person about these films, and in listening to you probably have, just, just, just do it face-to-face. But what I'm getting to is, ultimately, I was, sur- I was pleasantly surprised with how this movie ended up being cast. It's not the cast of what I'm seeing and, like, the, the, other, the other fast films that I've seen. It's... it's to not use a, 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 a 2000s term basic, but like it's it's pure. It seems genuine and it seems well done. And I'm curious between the three of you, you know, are you happy with the cast of like this is the first one. Like this is what should have gotten you going. I know some of you came in at like five or four or Tokyo Drift, but like John. are you looking back, like are you happy with this cast? And if not, like what changes might you make? Uh, John, do you want to go first on that one? Um, I mean, this cast is good, um, but ultimately it's about where it ends up, and let's talk about where it ends up with The Rock and Jason Statham. So I, I don't think there's a lot that we can complain about. And um, in terms of uh, what we've got going on with this, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a good one, and, and it's one that ultimately works because the character that needs to work the best with what he's got is uh, Vince Vaughn. Uh, uh, not Vince Vaughn. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> That's a wow. great movie I want to okay. see. Wow. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Vince Vaughn in this movie? Um, yeah, but uh, no, no. The, the characters end up working well in the roles that they're given in this film, though, overall. They get better, too. Yes. Like, and I, I love Paul Walker so much. I was depressed as hell the night he died, but... Uh, he was not the greatest actor in this movie, but he gets a lot better by like four and five. Fair? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think in this movie, like, I think Michelle Rodriguez is a little shrill. I think she gets better in the in the other oh, ones. She's Jordana so Brewster. Shrill. Jordana Brewster is always a little bit of a non-character in these in the series. They still haven't corrected that. Um, Paul Walker isn't the best, but he's all right. And then, as we've discussed, Vin Diesel just absolutely murders it in this movie. Um, So, like, in terms of casting, like, I like that in the future ones, they, like, build a huge cast kind of around his orbit. And 
I think so. This movie lays like good groundwork for for future movies. Uh, so I was fairly pleased with the casting. Cool, cool. Um, all right, yeah. I I think and 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 the one and the cast members that don't work, you never see again. Uh, actually. We've talked about Vin and Jordana and and Paul Walker, obviously, but I also kind of like Vince. He's a little cartoonish in this movie, but I really dug him in Fast Five, and I was I was bummed when things happened in that movie regarding him. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, what about you, Grant? Any final thoughts? Uh, there's two issues left on my notes, but we've been going a while, so I'm just gonna have to choose the better one. Okay. Um. So, a lot of people criticize, in Fast 6, there's a scene that takes place on a runway, and the scene takes uh, about 25 to 30 minutes, and people have estimated that would be, like, roughly, like, 10 times the size of, or 100 times the size of a normal, uh, you know, It's like, a, it's, it's supposed runway. to be a seven-mile runway in real life. Exactly. And then, the funny thing is, in this, and the final scene, um... They've always talked about how they're in 10-second cars, which I believe means that they can go a mile in 10 seconds. Is that what that means? It's a quarter of a mile in 10 seconds. I just okay, that okay. That's fine. Because there's a scene, it, the last scene where they race to the train tracks, they say that this is a quarter mile. That scene lasts about three minutes, and they're in 10-second cars. <laughs> so they have, from, from the beginning, they have always had a real, real problem with distance. I, you know, that, that, you're not wrong. I, I, I don't have anything to, to defend that with, honestly. Slow That's down, pretty much baby. as bad as the runway. That's just fast and furious physics for you, man. It's, it's its own, it's its own science. Yes. You there? Yeah. Anyways, I'm pretty good uh, <laughs> with this podcast. I've mostly gone through my notes. I can't tell you how excited I am for Fast 7. I've Furious literally been seven. embarrassing myself to the entire world by <laughs> posting about it every day for the last 30 days. Um, that has been pretty epic to watch. For, it's been for, for those of Matt, you I really wish you would allow people to post on your Facebook wall because I've basically just been alienating myself from friends and family for the last 30 days. <laughs> but I'll fucking do it for Fast. I'll do it for this movie. Because this is my new family. My <laughs> God. Oh. Uh, John, oh. what about you? You've been, uh, you've been a little quiet this episode. <laughs> um, well, what is there to say? Grant, it's been great having you back. Graham, you're all right. Um, but, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, but uh, but no, I, uh, no, I'm super excited as well. And uh, I, there's nothing left for me to say about this movie. It's great. And I can't, I can't wait for the next movie. I can't. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, 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 I'm still kind of in the middle. There's stuff that still works, like legitimately still works, but I think the story as a whole and some of that 2000s acting is, is stiff as hell. Um, but uh, it's not my favorite, but I will still watch this one a million times before I watch Tokyo Drift again. <laughs> That's just Graham, I'm gonna Graham, I'm gonna say this publicly. You have a money back guarantee from me. If you don't enjoy the hell out of Fast Seven, I'll pay for the ticket. I, I Guys, want I'm, I'm going to on him. Zero context. Zero. I, I, I <laughs> want to walk in and just walk out and have Adam Scott whisper sweet nothings in my ear about how amazing it was. So You know, Graham, I had zero context when I saw Fast Five. <laughs> I, I well, went I saw the trailer and I thought, holy shit, for some reason this looks like the most stupid fun ever. 
I went and saw it and was just converted so hard and fast. Hard and fast. Yeah. Well, ultimately, uh-huh. I have to say, watching the this OG, you know, turned a new leaf for me. It's like it's enjoyable. It's somewhat fast paced. It's just like a lot going on, mostly revolving around this two muscled, you know, non demographic individual Vin Diesel. But like, <laughs> I, I, I have to see Fast Seven or Furious Seven, whatever they end up deciding to call it in like two years. So. Maybe what if they what if they like change the marketing by like location? So maybe in the Northeast region it's Furious Seven, but in LA it's Fast Seven. <laughs> a dick move. Um, all right, so uh, I think it's gonna do it for the Rear Brewers in this episode. Unless anybody has any last second thoughts they want to think of. I got yeah, it. Thank you, man. This was fun. <clears throat> Graham, you got anything else? No, thanks, guys. This was a blast. Cool, John. Anything you got? No, uh, all good here. Thanks, thanks to our two guests for being here tonight. Yeah, guys. Thank you so much, Graham. Thank you for pestering us about doing this. It was uh, we we definitely fell off the wagon a little bit, but hopefully we do not have another four month absence. Um, Guys, this is, this is awesome. Keep doing it. I'm a big fan. Everyone should. It. We, we need to get the Matrix done. That, I think that needs to be our next one. That's That's been bugging me for a while. Um, all right, so with that, Graham, Grant, thank you so much. We want to have you guys on again sometime soon, all right? For sure. All right. Yeah, dude. John, uh, what's your Twitter? Uh, Twitter handles uh, Johnny on the spout spelt uh, J-H-A-A-N-Y on the spot all one word uh, and you can find me at Gon G-O-H-N again all one word and you can find us on Twitter at Rebrewers Pod and you can find us at Rebrewers Podcast on Facebook and we are going to try and get something out within the next soon time and not the next four months so thank you all for listening and let us know if you go see Furious 7 and with that we're going to sign off in fact, these rap quotes impact like Black Bolt said it. So roll credits on these Jersey Shore girls. They can break the fourth wall. We break the fourth world. Painting pictures jumping straight from the page. And I'm the man of steel damaging your paper mache. Whether you get the singles or you wait for the trades, the Silver Age MC stay saving the day. We take an aim at major labels for practice. We're radioactive without the radio play. And before I die, I'ma get my final tour. Holding the hammer of Thor, standing the shoulders of Devil Dinosaur. We take the stage, write rhymes to fill a page. Cause the music we made is bringing in the Silver Age. This is beyond the golden age of rapping comic books. Rock for people sick of the direction that the genre took. And Adam War Rock is rocking the mic. And Tribe One got it locked in my binocular sight. Damn right. For all the people saying back in the day, the Silver Age is here to bring back what Santa Jack made. Get up, everyone who thought they're headed for home. Y'all just step through the portal to the